body, emotions, and spirit are more powerful than anyone can imagine. And we will learn to utilize each of them to the maximum and learn to make decisions about what we want and how we want to feel. What a concept. And one we will explore today on The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. On our program, we'll address who you are, why you're here on this planet, how to go within, how to come to know what you believe and why. Now, here's your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome to the Self-Improvement Show. This is Irene Conlon. We're broadcasting, as usual, from Fountain Hills, Arizona. And I, I have had a little feedback about how some of you in really bad weather don't like for me to tell you how beautiful it is here. So I won't tell you that we're having a perfect day. <laughs> you have to come here to understand what I mean by that. Take a look today, as I always tell you, to, at the Self-Improvement blog. There you'll see our guest picture. You can read his bio, which is very interesting. And please, by all means, watch the video uh, at the bottom of the article. You'll be so glad you did that. <clears throat> We're going to talk a little bit about business today because, you know, certainly if you can't earn a living, it's really hard to do self-improvement. And uh, some people start businesses and don't make it. Now, many people have an entrepreneur's heart and they want to start their own business. There's a lot of us. They may have an idea for some unique and wonderful product or service that they believe is going to help everybody out there and put money in their own bank account. There's a lot of people who do that. The bad news is that nearly 50% of these new businesses will fail within the first five years how can this happen when you put so much work into it and what do you do to avoid those pitfalls and start a business that's going to be profitable that's going to be successful what kind of planning do you need to do our guest today says a well thought out business plan can dramatically turn the odds in your favor and we're going to talk with him about that today. Hal Shelton is a, a seasoned executive with more than 45 years of experience with corporations, nonprofits, and investment organizations. He holds a BS from Carnegie Mellon University and an MBA from the University of Chicago. He's a board member and mentor for SCORE, and if those of you don't know what SCORE is, you really need to find out. We're going to talk about it today. You need to get involved with them. They're one of the best organizations to help you get a business started. He's a principal at Blue Ventures Investors and serves on the board of directors for three different companies. He is the author of the book, The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan. And it is my honor to welcome him to the Self-Improvement Show today. How welcome. Thank you, Irene, and hello to everybody listening today. And you happen to be in one of those places that doesn't have a perfect day, and, you know, inside it can be. (laughs) Tell us about yourself, Al. Who is Hal Shelton? Okay, so in my current uh, life, um, I assist uh, entrepreneurs to be successful. And I do this through three principal ways, some of which you've you've touched on in the introduction. Um, I've worked with over 1,200 entrepreneurs as a SCORE mentor and sitting on the National Board of SCORE Board of Directors. 
Um, and I help many of those entrepreneurs write their business plan. And the second thrust is I'm an angel investor um, and coach. As, as you said, I sit on three boards. And so for that process, I'm reading the business plans that they write as part of my due diligence efforts. And then lastly, combining these and my previous experiences, I wrote a book, which I'm very pleased is an Amazon bestseller, on how to write a business plan and, and just trying uh, to help others get up that learning curve. But I'm not, it's not all business. Uh, a recent uh, talk show host uh, asked me a very intriguing question. Uh, he said, what was the best day of my life? Oh, and love that question. it was an question. easy uh, response. And I said it very quickly. It was a day many years ago that I married my college sweetheart. Oh, that's such a wonderful compliment to her. <laughs> and I appreciate those comments so much. You know, you don't hear that often. And, you know, um, it's a wonderful thing to hear. Let's go way, way back to the beginning. How did you get your start in business? And then how did you become a mentor? Uh, so uh, after uh, graduate school, I did like everybody else, uh, went to the college recruitment office, uh, knocked on a lot of doors, uh, and finally, finally wound up in uh, Philadelphia um, as a financial analyst uh, working for what was then the Sun Oil Company, or Sunoco, for those who were yeah. in that marketing territory, and uh, worked my way uh, through the organization. But I just had the benefit of having a lot of mentors and people who basically took a chance on me and, you know, plucked me out of one organization and said, I think you'll do well in this organization. And, you know, going from the analyst to, to the manager. Um, and after a while, I said, well, I can do that, too. And I started mentoring uh, folks uh, that I was responsible for. And then I um, did that for many years, and then I had an opportunity to work in London, uh, managing an international operation, and I did that for four years, and sort of like when I came home, I had changed, companies had changed, and it was time to do something different, so I came down to Washington, D.C., and worked for an alternative energy company, um, and we had the largest privatization ever of a government entity. It was bigger than Conrail. And after 10 years, I said, enough's enough. And I went out and I looked for something else to do. And I hooked up then with the SCORE organization, which we can talk more in a little bit, and started mentoring small businesses in in a very uh, heavy way. Yes, small businesses are such a challenge because it's when you're that small, you don't have enough revenue really to fund your your company and keep it going until you pass those critical states. And, and my heart is there. I, I did that and fortunately had a mentor who made me, against my wishes, write a business plan. <laughs> and and it, it was the salvation of my company. And, and I went to some meetings with SCORE and found them extremely helpful. Let's start there. Tell us a little bit about SCORE and how they can help small businesses. Uh, so SCORE is a nonprofit. It's been around for like 54 years now, 53 years. So they really got their act together and they know how to do uh, mentoring. Um, and it's volunteer. So folks like me and 11,000 others uh, throughout the com- country, there's 320 or so chapters, are providing free advice 
uh, free counseling, free mentoring uh, to entrepreneurs. And that can be people who are thinking of starting a business, people who have actually started and having some trouble, or those who are in business doing well and trying to get to the next level. Uh, The power uh, is in the website score.org. You go to score.org, you type in your zip code, and you can find a chapter near you or a branch of a chapter near you, um, and you can call up or get online to make an appointment. Again, it's a free appointment. Uh, The most popular uh, format for mentoring is face-to-face, one-on-one, you and and a business mentor, and you try to find a mentor who's been in your business and has been through some of the ropes before. Sometimes you don't have the time to uh, go into an office someplace, so we do email mentoring, we do video mentoring, and much like many of the folks on on the call today who are in some type of e-marketing kind of activity, you know, you need to go where the clients are and score is the same way. The other power of that website, score.org, is there's webinars, there's blogs, there's all kinds of information about starting a business and all the aspects of it. There are templates, uh, Excel spreadsheets for doing the dreaded financial work, so forth and so on. Uh, so, so it's a really powerful site. And it's you, and you come back as many times as you want, and it's all free. I have set, had some clients that I've had for five years. We meet once a quarter, usually the local uh, coffee shop, uh, talk about the progress in the last uh, quarter and the events coming up in the next quarter. And as Irene, as you indicated, in the beginning of a startup, you have certain kinds of issues, and you talk about how do I get my first customer, how do I hire, or maybe how do I fire my first employee, uh, and then you know, a couple years later, you have different kinds of issues, and so you can either deal with your existing mentor or find other mentors uh, within the organization to help you. And that's the glory of it, because when you start a business and you haven't been in business, this is not your background, you, you really need all the help you can get. And and to be able to continue that with the same person or somebody else who also knows the ropes of your business is just so incredibly valuable. What do you think is the biggest um, struggle for a new business? Is it the finances? Is it knowing how to do the business plan and get going with your product? You know, or is it determining whether your product is even sellable? Yeah. You know, so as I, I read I about... The, the, the biggest issue for a startup or even in business is finding paying customers. Now, you can peel the onion back and say, why is that? And we can go back to the business planning and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but fundamentally, it is about getting paying customers and, and keeping them. You know, one of the, I was surprised when I was doing some reading about all of this to hear that one of the problems, one of the reasons why small businesses fail is that they've come up with a product that nobody wants. How can you right. get a lot that far along into a business and not know that nobody wants what you're selling? Yeah. So as part of the uh, business planning process, and think of it as a process rather than the document that comes out at the end, is asking a lot of questions 
and doing a lot of research, 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 research. And, you know, some people advocate, and I do, you talk to, if you can talk to 100 people about your, what's called the value proposition, what problem are you trying to solve, either through your product or your service, that someone's willing to pay for? Because they were getting that kind of product or service today without you, and if you're the new business on the block, what are you doing, and why should someone come to you for that product or service? And you really need to solve that in your mind that upfront and get some validation from your market research. And then I think you can help avoid that situation you just mentioned, Irene. Yeah, and it's a big one. And it's time for us to take a break. So while, while we're on a break, those of you who are listening, think about what problem you can solve. Does your, does your product have some value that people are willing to pay for? And if not, you know, what can you do about it? Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Hal Shelton. Don't go away. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions. Some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Hal Shelton, who's written a bestseller called The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan. And I really encourage every one of you who have a business, whether it's a new business or not, to get this book because it has some really valuable, valuable information in it. We've been talking to Hal about what he does and a little bit about SCORE. And I want to ask, we, we were talking a little bit about needing a business plan and the reluctance people have to writing one. It's not an easy task. What has been your experience with why people do not write a business plan that serves them? A great question, Irene. Um, and I think part of it has to do with the myth 
that has come up around business plans, and people picture it as a 30-page document, and half of which is financials. And they basically say, I can't do that, and I'm not going to do that. But it's truly a myth. Uh, For example, if you have a home-based business, a service business, like many of your uh, listeners are in the marketing side, uh, and you're working from home and you're not uh, maybe seeking much financing, your business plan could be four to eight pages. Maybe there's three or four about what's your marketing strategy, your go-to-marketing approach, how are you going to get customers, what, what are the 10 things you're going to do to drive traffic to your door. You might have one page about yourself, particularly if you're selling a service, you're selling your skills and expertise, and so you, know, you need to have that elevator pitch about why you're the right person at the right time to, to be in this business, why people should buy from you. And you might have just one page for yourself on finances. Um, you know, if I undertake my activities as I outlined in the marketing section, um, and these are my product prices, this is going to be the results. And that's really important because, as most of your listeners will know, when you start up a business, you're going to be working 60, 70, 80, maybe 100 hours a week. And you're going to be spending most of your own personal resources at least from a planning point of view, you want to have an idea that this is viable and this works and you're going to like the answer. I mean, it could be that the answer comes out, you're going to make $20,000 a year. If this is a weekend activity because you have a day job, that might be great. But if you're doing this for your sole source of income and you have a family and you have college tuition payments and you're supporting elderly parents, 20000 probably doesn't make it. So you need to know that up front. Now, I have to smile when people who have never had a business and are ready to start their own say the reason I'm starting the business is so I can take trips whenever I want um, and I can have, you know, leisure time at home. And I'm thinking you're in for a really interesting surprise (laughs) when you get going here. (laughs) And, And they nearly always do. You're an angel investor. Tell us a little bit about that. And what do you look for in a company before you invest? Okay, uh, so angel investors are sort of like in the same category as venture capitalists, and, and people may might be more familiar with that term. Uh, basically, both groups are providing equity uh, investments in a company, uh, which means uh, they give you money and you give them a share of your business, uh, so they're partners with you, and sometimes that's great, and sometimes you get more advice than you bargain for, and from your point of view, it might not be great. Uh, Angel investors tend to come in earlier, invest in uh, startup companies. Uh, Venture capitalists tend to come in a little bit later uh, after they have maybe um, $5 or $10 million in sales. So what we look for is we look for some market traction. Angels tend not to invest just an idea. Uh, We want you, as we er talked earlier about, you have a value proposition, and we want some validation for that value proposition that you, in fact, have gotten some customers, and they're willing to pay for the product. It might be V1, and you might eventually get to be V4 or 5 in the marketplace, Um, but you need to start there. 
if there was one ingredient that we look for more than any others, it's the, it's the management team. And management team is usually plural, uh, that this business, you know, has a CEO, maybe has, if it's a technology business, as a, a chief technology officer or a marketing officer, could be a group of two or three or four, uh, has some kind of business traction, and that these um, managers and, and the co-founders um, really understand the space, that they have experience uh, in doing now um, what they're planning to do. Sometimes there's some gaps uh, in that knowledge, and so they have surrounded themselves with an advisory board uh, that has the expertise that they need it. So basically what I hear you saying is you'll invest in a company that has potential and a well-thought-out business plan. I'm assuming that you would not invest in a company that did not have a written business plan. Correct. Absolutely. Not, and, and, and it's even more detailed because often you write a business plan for yourself and get the messages, but when you're attracting uh, either equity money from angels and VCs or debt money from banks, you're going to be writing a business plan and have a whole set of Excel spreadsheets um, that document your financial forecast, and you're basically writing that piece for them to either demonstrate to the bank you can repay the loan or demonstrate to the equity investors that this business has a lot of growth um, and that there can be what's called an exit at some time uh, and they can sell. So, so basically you're saying the My business plan is a key ingredient. There's uh, startups every uh, month, I'm 600,000 every month in the U.S., 6 million a year. 95% of those are what's commonly known as lifestyle businesses. Uh, where people start a company, they're very happy with it, it meets all their financial and social needs, and someday they'll give it to their kids or some other family members. Angels uh, don't look for those businesses. They look for the 5% of businesses who start up and plan to sell at some time because that's the only way the angels can get out. Exactly. So you're like a shark but not on TV. Yeah, <laughs> so people have asked me if I've watched Shark Tank. I've watched it once, so I can say I did. Um, but the way angels and entrepreneurs inter- interface, the questions might be the same, but the atmosphere is very different. It's very collegial. Uh, it's, it's very up and up. Now, your book is very detailed on how to write a business plan. And you know, I love the, the end of the chapter where you say, okay, now it's your turn. And you do the work that you've suggested in that chapter. So by the time somebody finishes your book, assuming that they go through it in detail and do it right, they really have everything they need for a business plan. Their business plan is basically done, isn't it? Yes. You're absolutely right. And so in the book, that's obviously, you know, pen and paper, uh, and you can do it. We may even made it easier. So there's a link at the SCORE website, so you can enter all that those Your Turn worksheets online electronically, so you then can collect them and really have an electronic version of, of a business plan. You know, one of the things that you talk about are some of the online templates that have you just fill in, you know, fill in the blanks. Will you talk a little bit about those? Because I saw a lot of them online, and it would be easy to go that direction. Do these serve you as well 
as the kind of work they can do with a book like yours. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of templates uh, and where people really need the most help is on the financial side. Um, because most folks who are starting a marketing company don't have a lot of financial experience and don't really understand what a, a profit and loss statement, a balance sheet, a cash flow statement is. And so either from the SCORE website, the SBA website, or others, you can get a lot of templates to, ha- to help you on that. Um, there are lots of templates, you know, besides the one I have in my book, on how to write a b- business plan template. They tend to be one size fits all, and so you're going to have to tailor it uh, to meet your own needs. You know, a lot of people starting out, and I think especially of the people in network marketing who sign up to push a product, um, they have an upline, they pay attention to what their upline teaches them to do, and they never think about writing a business plan. How important is it for people in this arena to have a business plan? Can they get everything they need from their upline, or don't they need to take responsibility for developing their own business? Uh, you, you nailed it on the head there, Irene, is responsibility. Um, you, can, you can follow others, but you're just implementing someone else's plan. Uh, but when, you know, how do you know when it's time to have different products, uh, different platforms, uh, price points, uh, what the competition is doing? And I think you want to take uh, ownership of your own business, um, and that's where a business plan will be very helpful. And it doesn't have to be very long uh, to gauge those key things. One of the things that I found helpful when I had a business, and this has been a long time ago, but you know, my mentor just really pushed how important it was to have a clear working mission statement And I thought he was a little, you know, fanatical about it. But and we worked for weeks to get our mission statement honed. And I used that statement over and over when people would come in and say, "Why don't we add this to your business?" And if it didn't meet the the mission statement in some way, we didn't do it. And I think that's what helped me stay in business until I sold the company. Yeah. Uh, how important do you think a mission statement is? Oh, it's it's critical, and I, I I relate the mission statement really is to have your your uh, your your messages, and and clearly your focus. When you start a business, there's a huge tension. You know, when you're searching for that first customer, you will do almost anything. You know, anybody buy my product, just pay me, right? I want exactly. to, I need that cash flow. Um, and that works probably, you know, for a little bit, but it's very hard to message a business that's all things to all people. You just, you just can't do it. And you, and you won't be successful. You won't know where to grow. And so having the vision statement and having that, which sort of gives you at least some initial boundaries, um, and I think that's what you were hinting at when you gave the example, of what is it that you're going to do, what is it you're going to specialize in, what are you going to develop your messages about, who are you going to approach, what's your advertising, it all comes together in, in having that focus on what you're going to do. And it keeps you out of a lot of trouble sometimes. And on that note, we're going to go to break. This is Irene Conlon with my guest, Hal Shelton, saying stay tuned. 
We'll be right back with more. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you or somebody you love have a struggle with abuse? You don't need to be a slave to your abuse anymore. Listen for Beyond Abuse, Beyond Therapy, Beyond Anything with Dr. Lisa Cooney. Dr. Lisa overcame struggles in her own life. Two decades of sexual, emotional, and physical abuse nearly took their toll. In her 20s, she turned her life around and set upon a path to help others. She can help you find the key to take control of your life, too. Listen every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. How do you define work? Is it that mundane Monday through Friday place that seems to be sucking a third of your life out of you? Or have you made it a place of personal fulfillment, achievement, and purpose? If you are looking to make your work life the latter, tune in to Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. There are all kinds of inspiring work life stories told by people who have made work something to look forward to every day. Working on Purpose can be heard every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to The Self-Improvement Show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the Self-Improvement Show. Our guest today is Hal Shelton, who's written a bestseller called The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan. If you have any kind of business, no matter how small, I recommend that you get this book. You can get it on Amazon or any of the leading bookstores. Uh, it, it really has such valuable information on it that it can help you tremendously in your own business. One of the things I was wondering about as I read your book and we're talking about employees and staff, depending on what kind of business you have, I know, but do you recommend that the entire business plan be reviewed by the staff? Should everybody be involved in it, including the financials? How many people need to be involved in writing this business plan? Um, great question, and it's probably the answer is going to be, you know, it all depends. Uh, the business, what you share in the business plan uh, is going to be just part of your culture in what you do uh, in your in your company. Uh, so if, if you're now sharing monthly or quarterly uh, financial results or sales goals uh, with your staff, uh, then, of course, you will uh, share this part of the business plan. Um in terms of developing it, um, if you have an organization that's big enough that you have a, a marketing department, 
or some kind of sales department and you're going to look to them to help implement the plan, of course you want them to be involved in in creating it and setting those goals so they feel part of it. Uh, Likewise, if you have some kind of uh, production effort or purchase for resale product, uh, you'll want to get those folks involved as well. Uh, some people are so opposed to having their employees know the the financials, but it seems to me that if they know you're in trouble or not in trouble, you know where you're headed, what you need to do to um, turn it into a profitable organization, that they'll feel a lot more part of the company. I don't know why financials have to be a big secret. What's your thought on that? Um, I agree with you. Now, sometimes people believe that, let's say, their personal salary. Uh, they don't want to share, um, and if they share too many elements of the plan, people can figure that out. Um, but there's lots of ways to to get around that. I, I think you clearly want to share the sales goals uh, and the targets. It's either dollars or units or, or whatever, or number of um, consulting contracts completed or whatever, because clearly after each one of those big events, you want to have some kind of celebration I've worked at many companies, you know, every time they got a big sales contract, someone had a bell and they rang the bell and they all got in the, in the common area and, you know, and they saluted the person who brought that deal or signed that deal to the company. Uh, so if you're having some of those celebrations, um, clearly that backs into the business plan and what were the goals uh, for that. You, you might not share, you know, the compensation line of, of your expenses, uh, but you can give them some idea about margins and, and what you're looking for. Absolutely. Most everybody has privately held companies and so um, that information is generally not um, publicly available uh, but I think you need to trust your employees and, and help them be part of the team. Oh, I do too. And they're going to talk about their salary and what they're making so you better be fair. <laughs> That's just an aside. Yeah. You have something in your book that I found absolutely wonderful, and that's your 12 commandments for writing a business plan. I have not seen these before. I think they are so good. I'd love to talk a little bit about them. Sure. Now, the first one that you put just, I think, is so strong on why you need a business plan, and that is a business plan is a marketing action. It's an action, not just, it's not a piece of paper that sits on the desk to gather right. dust. I talk a little bit about why you call it a marketing action. Uh, just as, as, as an example, you know, people say, instead of having a sales call, I'm going to have a networking event and I'm just going to chat with you and so forth, and it's non-threatening. Um, sometimes people call that Trojan, Trojan horse marketing. As long as you can get that invitation and you're there, of course you're selling. Every, t- every time you're any place, you're selling yourself in, in some ways and your skills, and it might not be to close a deal at that time, um, but eventually that uh, person, that potential customer, w- will get to know you. And a- as you very appropriately said, the marketing section of the business plan or the whole business plan itself, if it just finds itself in the bottom drawer and is never touched again, it was probably a worthless exercise. And, and, and it can be a, a great tool. And, you know, part of it, this was an interesting point to me, too, to know your audience and write the plan in a style that they'll relate to. 
how do you know what your style should be for your audience? I mean, if I have a widget that, um, if I, I guess if I have a widget, I need to find the people who use that widget and then write to them. But how do I know what their style would be? Um, so a couple of examples. Um, if you're going to go to a bank for a loan and they're going to say, show me your business plan. Okay. You're going to make sure that in that business plan, you demonstrate uh, that you can repay the loan on time. And it's through the, the marketing actions, your production, all gets to the financial uh, results. You're also going to know that that um, business banker has probably looked at 300 business, uh, 330 business plans that day that came across her desk. And if you try to be creative and do something out of the ordinary, and your score mentor can help you in that in your area about what's a typical business plan format, if you try to be different, you're going to throw that business banker out of kilter. And she's going to say, I don't have time to learn how to read your plan. So, so you need to give her the data that she's looking for, and you need to give it in a style that she's used to seeing. And that would be very businesslike. Uh, yeah. If you were going to a vendor and, uh, you know, because you're either manufacturing, you're outsourced to manufacture, or you're, you're purchased for resale, you want to have the things in there that they're looking for. And what are they looking for? That you're going to be around for a while and you're going to be a good customer to theirs and you're going to be able to pay your bills on time. And that what they're producing for you fits and there's not going to be a lot of customization. And that you're going to have a customer uh, list uh, that's going to draw the product uh, out of that uh, production facility. So you've got to think about it from what the person you're showing it to is looking for. And while you might have one master business plan that you keep, you're going to tweak it uh, for each one of those individual big events. Uh, that you're trying to, to conquer. <laughs> and one, one of the things that you don't say, but I think is implied, and, and maybe you did say it and I missed it, you know, please make it grammatically correct. Uh, I yeah. get letters from people who want to write articles on the blog, and sometimes the letter is so bad that I know the article is going to be equally as bad. I would think that would be true in a business plan as well. Especially uh, not if you're only seeking that, funding. That is absolutely true, and it goes a le- little further. Um, let's say in the um, executive summary, which is the, the two-page up front, which is key, uh, people you know, talk about how great the business will be. Sure, they should. That's a marketing kind of document. And that they're looking to raise, uh, they need a $350,000 loan. 25 pages later in the details of the plan, they put together the financial forecasts, which are up, up, and away, and they're almost, they should be the bank because <laughs> they're, they're yes. in a negative position. And so the detail in the back doesn't match the summary in the front. So you've got to be not only grammar correct, but you need to be consistent uh, throughout. Oh, absolutely. And one of the things that I hadn't thought about being so important, and you really emphasize it, and that's the biography of the head of the company. Why is yes. that so important? So for a service company in particular, you know, you're selling your experience. 
You're selling your skill set. So why you? Why you versus, you know, 15 other people that they could go to or they have been going before you, you appeared? And that's going to be part of your elevator speech. Um, it's somewhat important in manufacturing companies, um, but sometimes there the product will speak for itself and people can see and touch and feel it if they need it. Uh, but the service side of it, the marketing side of it, consulting um, is all about you. And all about you should be consistent with the kind of business that you're starting. Yes. You know, if you've been in some arm of the medical community for all your life and you're starting a, a landscaping company, people want probably want to know if you know how to grow anything. Correct. I don't, yeah, I, that may not be a very good example. You also say to focus on the customer, not on the entrepreneur. Exactly what do you mean by that? I know what focusing on the customer is, but how would you focus on the entrepreneur? So focusing on the customer goes back to what is that value proposition? What problem are you selling? Uh, what problem are you solving and who's going to buy it? And that sort of should be the whole theme of the, of the business plan. You can have a little bit about you, and uh, as we just said, this, this one-page bio, and about why you're the right person to do this and the experiences you had. But you don't want this to be all about the whole thing to be about you. You need it to be about the business and the customer. So you can't do a me, me, me kind right. of thing and expect many, to get the business. How many word, the word I is in this business plan? Yes, exactly. Are you the only one in the company is what I wonder when I see some of those. You know, there's got to be somebody else because you say we now and then. Yes. Yeah. And, and it goes without saying that sales goals are important. How how do you support those uh, with research? Where do you find the information you need to support your sales goals when you're starting a brand new company? Um, there's a couple of ways. Um, people would be surprised about how many trade associations uh, there are and how specific the trade associations are. And you can you know do do a Google search and try to find the trade association for the business you are thinking about starting or that you're already in, um, and they usually have a wealth of information. Uh, second, um, everybody has competitors of some kind, and you know it's a, it's amazing how people like to talk about their business. So if you go to someone in a light business and maybe not in your town because they might think of your too direct a competitor, but in a couple towns over, uh, or your state capital, go chat with them. Uh, and um, they'll, they'll, I'm sure they'll love to talk about your business. You can also just stand outside the door, particularly with the bricks and mortar business, stand across the street, watch how many people come in, count how many people go out, how many bags they're carrying, oh. um, and you can sort of get a sense of, of volume. Uh, that they're doing um, through Google Analytics. Uh, there's lots of ways of looking at traffic on, on websites uh, if you have an e-commerce business. Uh, there's just, you use census data. Uh, um, and you could Google it. Yep. And on that note, we're going to go to break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Hal Shelton. Come 
our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Inspired, encouraged, and connected on our lively, award-winning, healthy living power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are with host and empowerment architect, Cynthia Bryan. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to the Power Party for positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. Visit StarStyleRadio.com. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Self-Improvement Show with your host, Dr. Irene Conlon. Got a question for Irene or her guests? Call into our live show at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Connect with Irene via email. Our address is the self-improvement blog at gmail.com. Now, let's get back to the self-improvement show. Here again is Dr. Irene Conlon. Welcome back to the self-improvement show. Our guest today is Hal Shelton who has written a remarkably good book called The Secrets to Writing a Successful Business Plan. If you do not have a business plan and you're an entrepreneur or in any kind of business, get this book. Um, You will be so, so glad you did. Uh, We've been talking about his 12 commandments, and we were talking a little bit about sales goals and we, we all have some wonderful service or some product that we think everybody on the planet should have uh, how realistic are our sales goals Hal what if we say we're th- we think we're going to sell a hundred widgets this month how does that play out in reality so I'll wear a couple of hats when I say that you as the entrepreneur you're putting your best foot forward you're making your best guess uh, based on all the data you can get, there will be some holes in it, but don't obsess about getting it perfect because it's unlikely your sales goals 12 months from now will be what you think they are today. It's, it, it, the world's just too difficult and changes too much. Uh, and so surround it and then be adaptive. The other hat is when we see um, sales projections as an angel investor, uh, and people are really trying to put their best foot forward and really ramp up because they want the money. Um, we tend on the on the top, and I say this with a little bit of a smile, cut cut the sales goals in half, and and then really stress test what those sales goals are and look more for a, a downside than an upside. Do you find that ever these original sales goals are met by a new company? Is there some company that just goes crazy, busy all at once? So we have in our angel portfolio uh, 35 companies, and I think there's only one who consistently meets their sales goals. And the others come short. (laughs) 
Not, that not is over. not good news, except for the one who's meeting the sales goals. Well, <laughs> it's, um, it's not necessarily not good. It's, it's not as good as you thought it would be. But if you're, if you're new business and you're doubling sales every year or you're increasing it by 50%, I mean, it's not too shabby if you do it by 40%. So you're short of your right. goal, uh, but it's still a good number. But you still need goals, whether, you know, you still need goals. Yep. You say to request funding in the amount, the amount you truly need, and then you say use these funds that you get primarily for marketing and product development and not everything else uh, in the company. Do you find that most people follow this advice, or do they have to get wonderful new furniture for themselves? <laughs> so this is particularly... Um, when you're getting funding from, from angel groups um, and, and, and a little bit from banks, they want to put their money to work and they want that money sort of like to make money, uh, exactly. to get more sales or produce more product. Um, if you're just using it to pay yourself, it's not as, in, as in exciting. It's important for you, but it's not as ex- exciting uh, for those investors. And and it, you know, you're not going to buy. You're not going to build a company if you don't put money back into it to make it grow. It's Correct. like watering a plant. Yep. No water, it dies. And you know these funds are water for your company. Actually, if you want to do the plant analogy, right. you say it is all about the money. And I think everybody in a business would, in in a in a new business would would agree with you. But some people say it isn't about the money. It's about you know, your service or your product. It isn't about the money. Talk a little bit about how important knowing that it's about the money is. So, so you know, there's a, a growing trend among, among companies. Uh, they call it a double bottom line um, where you have multiple goals to obviously make money for, for the investors but also do something for society. Uh, or for um, causes that you feel passionate about. Um, it just, it, it's a brand new concept from a legal point of view. Um, you just wonder, you know, how it's actually going to work out. There's the other model, I call it the, the Buffett-Bill Gates model, where you have a for-profit company that's focused on making money, and then you form a foundation and you give it all away. Uh, and the the missions, going back to your mission statement, are clear for both of them, and, and it doesn't get confused. I think everybody would like to build a business that gets so big and so successful that you have money to give away and help people that need help. Uh, there may be some that don't feel that way, but it's, it seems that everybody has a heart to do that. Is that a statement that's way off base? Yeah, I have never worked for a company that didn't have charitable contributions um, and gave to causes in their community and things that both the management and employees felt passionate about. Um, But they were able to do that because they generated um, good earnings. And and so it is about the money. Yeah. You you can't do good. You can't build a, a company if you don't have the money. It would be interesting to me to write a business plan for life using your guidelines. Has anybody done that? 
you know, um, instead of building a business, build your life. We know that there's a, uh, a growing field of what I would call life coaches. Um, and um, they're basically uh, helping people um, develop uh, their life plan. And I think that has to be, you know, side by side um, with a business plan. A, com- a term used now for a long time is a work-life balance. Um, but the way you can do that is having having a plan for your business dream, having a plan for your life, seeing where the obligations are um, and your commitments are, and seeing how you can find time to accommodate what's important to, to do that. But you just don't want to wing it because you'll probably not get that balance right. Yep, it's like having a, going on a long trip and having no map or GPS. Yes. Basically. Hal, we're right up to the end of the show. What's the thought you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Okay, uh, great question. Um, so it's create a roadmap or put it in your GPS uh, that will help <laughs> you get from here to there. And this applies equally to your business dream, implementing your business dream and your life. Um, you know, I'm reminded of a scene from Alice in Wonderland of approaching a crossroad with many directional signs. And the caption says, uh, if you don't know where you're going, uh, any road will do. And so I think that uh, even more today, the GPS is better than a roadmap because the GPS is saying redirecting and recalculating, uh, which happens in our life and in our business at all times. And within that sort of my credo that I've sort of uh, learned over my life is do the best you can Every day, solve problems, uh, don't be the problem, enjoy what you're doing, be positive, the cup is always half full, not half empty, don't procrastinate, write the business plan, take the action, and then most importantly, surround yourself with family, friends, mentors, advisors who can assist you and you can work with uh, through your life and through your business. And I think you just stated the best self-improvement plan as well as a business plan that we could have. Um, Hal, thank you so much for being with us today. You've given us so much really valuable information. Thank you, Irene. Glad to be here. Maybe we can chat again in the future. (laughs) Yes, I look forward to it. I want to thank you and the, the listeners for being with us today and encourage you to come back next week for more of the Self-Improvement Show. Thank you again for joining Dr. Irene Conlon for the Self-Improvement Show. Please listen again next Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember that improvement out there starts in here.